So I'm excited about this morning because we've been doing a series on the supernatural. I didn't give it a title until last week, but I kind of felt like taking the last couple messages that we have done and putting them together, I believe God is really setting us up for a supernatural encounter with the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this down the road, but there are little pockets of Holy Spirit outbreaks happening. And I'm so excited because I believe that North Phoenix, Arizona is one of those pockets, amen, to really be an upheaval of the Holy Spirit and uh, a revival that God is bubbling. And, you know, there's never a breakthrough without a little bit of resistance. You know, the enemy likes to try to push back, and I talked about that a little bit last week. And if you've missed any of the other uh, teachings, I really highly encourage you to jump online, take some time to listen to them. If you did hear them, I really encourage you to listen to them again because it can produce truth in our life. Amen. But this morning, the Lord really put on my heart to talk to you about the anointing. And, and I'm going to give you four reasons why we have the anointing in our life. Are you guys excited about that? So I'm going to talk about that, and I pray the Lord gives you insight and revelation as I share this morning. Amen. So I want to look at Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, and it says this, Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Say, spirit of wisdom. So Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Moses laid hands on him. Now, I want you to get that in your heart today because what we're going to do at the end of this service is we're going to lay hands on you. And it's biblical that we do that. I know we've had some good prayer already, but we're going to open every one of you are going to go through a prayer tunnel and our pastors and elders are going to anoint you, pray over you, pray over your families. If you brought your photos, you're going to walk those through the prayer tunnel because I know there's a supernatural impartation when we lay on of hands. And so Joshua was filled, say filled. He was filled with wisdom because Moses laid hands on him. Now in Joshua 1-2, we see that Moses, we find later, the servant of God, is dead. And so what happens? We see Moses laid hands on Joshua. So let's look what the Lord says concerning Joshua. Let's look at Joshua 1, starting in verse 6. It says this, Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws that my, so my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, the anointing is such a powerful thing in the life of the believer. And that's why I want you to get the revelation of the anointing. We're going to look at four things out of this Joshua of what the anointing is, okay? So Moses, we see in this story, is at the end of his time here on earth. And God, and he, God, or even Moses, chooses Joshua. And we see by that choosing, there was a laying on of hands, and he imparts the spirit of God or wisdom into the life of a new generation. Now, I want you to see that Moses now, his assignment is done, and he's laying on hands, and he's imparting to a new generation, which is the Joshua generation, which leads me to my first point this morning. The anointing is, multi, is multi-generational. And I think it's so important that we understand that God wants the anointing to go from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And what we find in this story is Moses is dead. And people can attach to like, well, what are we going to do now that Moses is gone? You know, we've always relied on Moses. We relied, he hears from God. He goes up to the, you know, to the mountains and hears from God. But Moses was finished with his assignment. But listen, God was not finished. 
And we need to understand that whatever generation we're in, our generation needs to understand we need to pass the baton to the next generation. We've got to give them the anointing. We've got to give them the power of God. We've got to give them what it looks like to live righteous, to live pure, to live by the word of God. And if we aren't giving that to the next generation, we are missing a moment of heaven. Amen? So God's not done just because one generation moves on. So he says, okay, Moses' assignment might be over, but now Joshua, in the same way that I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And listen, it's the same way. God is with you. Amen? He is not done. God is not done yet. He sees through the eyes and the lens of generations to come. That means the world can look like it's in despair. The world could look like things are hard and over and tough. But God says, I see the next generation. And I have been prophesying for a year that Generation Z is rising up in revival. I know what the Lord spoke in my spirit. And I got so excited because you'll see all over social media that Asbury College, the university, has, is in their fifth day of worshiping God. They had a normal Sunday school, I guess, Bible class in their sanctuary, and they've not stopped worshiping. They're in their fifth day of nonstop worshiping God. People are being healed. People are coming to Christ. They're traveling from all over. Listen, there's a revival that is coming, and God is saying we need to be willing to see this anointing has to go to the next generation. And if the Lord is to tarry, it'll go to the generation after that. We got some great generals that went before us. We got some Moseses and patriarchs that are before us, and they graciously passed that on to us, amen? And now it's our turn to know we've got to pass it to your children and your children's children, amen? The promise of God was so much greater than Moses. Moses had to live for someone greater. We as a church have to live for something greater than this moment right now. We have to live for this next generation. Moses lived for Joshua, and he passed that calling and that baton to Joshua. Amen? And that call that went to Joshua, now Joshua had to live with that next generation in mind because it never stops, does it? So Numbers 32, verse 12, it talks about God, it, as the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, God waited for an entire generation to die off in the wilderness. Why? Two of them that we know of, Joshua and Caleb, went into the land of promise. God did not want to, uh, the anointing to be transferred to a new generation with the wrong spirit. He had to let all the old ways die off, all the old way of believing and, and, and having other gods and, and forgetting to worship the great I am. He said, I'm going to raise up a new generation. I want them to have the right spirit on the inside of them. Amen. God is looking for people with the right heart. He's looking for people with the right spirit. And he's looking for people that will do it God's way. Amen. That's what the church of Christ needs to rise up and our, our spirits need to rise up to be like that next generation pass, passing on, amen? Except they want them to have the right spirit, amen? As we're here this morning, we are standing on the shoulders of some Moses. If, if you've lived long enough in the kingdom, we've got some Moseses that we're standing on their shoulders, they passed the anointing to us. They passed wisdom onto us. And now we, we as, a, as now we're stepping up, we need to understand that we have a next generation that's going to stand on our shoulders. They're going to stand on the wisdom we give them, the righteousness we give them, the fire of God that we give them. And that's why it's so important that we as the church step up in the anointing of the season that we are called to live in right now, not of, of our flesh, but of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I've been teaching you these successions of the importance of being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, amen, and understanding who you are in Christ. And now we're talking about the anointing anointing of God. And when the anointing comes in, it begins to take over your life. Amen. The anointing is referred to in the Bible as the oil of joy. And the oil of joy is a shepherd's language. 
And the shepherds, if you read about um, how they would take care of their sheep, when they would apply the oil on the sheep, they would um, anoint their head and they'd rub it into them. And it was kind of a protective type thing, right? They would smear that oil over them and it would protect them from the venomous snake when they were feeding in the grass. And they would pour oil down the snake's, the snake's hole, right? It would bring up protection and there'd be these buzzing little um, uh, animals, insects that would buzz around their faces and try to lay eggs in their nose so they would smear it with oil so that the sheep wouldn't be distracted and obsessed with trying to get rid of the bugs. See, the anointing comes and it comes over you and it smears over you so that we're not distracted with the busy things of life or the world. We're not distracted with news or cultural opinion. We're not distracted with man's ways or the world's ways. We're covered in the anointing and we're protected by the hand of God. And that oil that they put on the sheep represents the anointing of God. And when you have that anointing of God, it represents a spiritual capacity in the life of the believer that is gifted by the Holy Spirit. And I look at the anointing like this in my life, I literally see a veil, right? I'm living my carnal life, I'm living just normal every day, but when I need God's protection, when I need his wisdom, when I need his anointing, I see myself stepping into the anointing of God. I see myself covered in the anointing of God. So wherever I go in this world and the distractions and the oppositions, I'm covered in the anointing of God. The anointing is meant to protect you, amen, and it's gifted by the Holy Spirit. And you have that anointing in your life. You call upon that anointing in your life. That anointing releases the wisdom of God in a situation, when you allow the anointing to come on, it removes the veil of the natural and you begin to see into the supernatural. You begin to see what God sees. How many would rather see what God sees than what the world is trying to show us? Us as the church has to step into the anointing so we're not looking at what we see in the natural, but we're seeing supernatural things. Revival is breaking out. It's already happening, and it's going to continue to happen, not by what we see in the natural, but what we see through the anointing, the veil of God. If you look at 1 John 2.20, it says this, we have an unction, or that word is translated in the New NIV, an anointing from the Holy One, and know all things that teaches us God's preferred will. So you have an anointing that you can step into to know God's preferred will, not what the world says, not what perverted, perverted compassion says. Come on, not what culture says. We as the church has to stay in the anointing to know what the preferred will of God is. What does God's word say on a situation, amen? We have to be careful because we know that the, the anointing teaches us God's will. It also aids us in understanding what's true and what's not true. And it specifically is the truth of God's word. Why? Because the world is full of deceptions and lies. And we're living in a time in the world where it is as bold as ever, the lies and the deception. The world is trying to tell us, the church, what we should think, how we should behave, and what we should say. And when we have the anointing, there's the wisdom of God that can discern the deception and lies through the anointing of the word of God. I don't have to bow my knee to the world's agenda on, per on perception of sexuality, on abortion, on doomsday. Day, on, on, on castrating our children. No, I don't have to bow my knee to that. I have the anointed one and the anointing that I can step into through the word of God. And you walk in that anointing by the boldness of the Holy Spirit. The church cannot shrink, shrink away in the time that we're living in. And the only way that you can be bold out of your mouth and courageous is because of the anointing in your life. I can say a lot of good things. 
I can preach the word of God, but if I don't have the anointing coming out of my mouth, I might as well shut up and sit down because it's only the anointing that changes people's lives. Not good charisma, not articulate speaking, but the anointing of God. It's not how much you know, it's how much you know the anointing of God. And if you know the anointing of God, you can do anything. You'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Amen? You'll cast out demons. You'll be bold and courageous because of the anointing. And when you have the wisdom of God and the anointing of God, you'll hear something. And it may be even a popular pastor. Might even be a big name somebody. But something inside of you, because the anointing will come up inside of you and say, that doesn't feel right. I know, I know they might have a name, and I know they might have a great following and a lot of likes, but the anointing says, that's not accurate. That's not true. And I'm just talking about pastors, anything, any kind of agenda in the world, any kind of thing the media tries to throw at us. No, that sounds good to my flesh. That sounds compassionate. But the word, the anointing is bubbling up saying that's not truth. That's not the perfect will of God. That's not what the word of God says on the matter. And it's only the anointing of God that can give you the wisdom of God that you need in this hour. And if you are raising children in this hour, you better be basking in the anointing of God like you've never done before. Because you will need to cover them with the anointing and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. My parents walked in anointing when they parented me. I hated it. I mean, they could discern God. I could be at school and my mom could pick something up in the spirit. I mean, this is, this is just kind of silly, but it's just how my parents were so in tune. I was outside playing in the sandbox, and I, wasn't, I was little, and I wasn't allowed to put water in the sandbox. And I kind of came inside. I was dinking around. And I was going to sneak and get some water. And I was kind of like tiptoeing to get the water. And I hear my mom, Barb, don't you get any water. And I'm like... I mean, I know that's so minuscule, but I'm just saying, when you're in the anointing, you discern your children. When you're in the anointing, you discern what's going on in your household. When you're in the anointing, you recognize the devil is really what's activating than what you're seeing in the unnatural. We need the anointing of God in our life. And the good news is today, as this multi-generational anointing, we are somebody's Joshua. Aren't you excited about that? Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, he said it, I have finished the race and I have fought the fight. He knew. We knew that his race was over, but the plan of God wasn't over. Why? Because he laid hands on Timothy. And he said, I may be done, but I'm going to lay hand on the Timothy generation. There's a new generation that is arising. Can you see the importance of us stepping in the anointing, laying hands, and you laying hands on your children so that they can step into the next season of the anointing? Amen. Paul's season of the leg, leg of the race was over, but he laid hands on the next generation, which is my passion as a pastor. My passion is to make sure our Generation Z gets the impact of the Holy Spirit. I just met with some of my team this morning. We've got to reach this generation. They've got to know the power of the Holy Spirit. They've got to know the anointing of God. Because the devil is fighting hard for our children. He is fighting hard and he's bringing confusion confusion and fear and this antichrist spirit and the and if you're not careful what they're teaching your children in school they'll be swept away by the deception of the enemy and i we're going to put things in place because we i want our generation z to have a revival and be touched by god i was touched by god when i was little felt the anointing i've lived through two i'm old enough to live through two moves of god too. <laughs> and it's never left me, that anointing on my life. Not, not, not that I'm special, but I understand the anointing and that move of God. And, and I had that young, I, I knew God's voice young. I Spiritual dreams when I was young. Our children need to have these supernatural encounters with God. Not this antichrist, demonic, satanic spirit that's over our generation today. They don't even know why they're confused. It's a spirit. Amen? So he passed, Paul passed that to Timothy. 
And then what happened? How did Timothy get that? Because he was running at the same pace as Paul. We need to be running at the same pace that God is running at right now, church. And then we need that next generation to be challenged and equipped so they can run right along next to us. And because they were running at the same level, Paul was, same intensity, Paul was able to lay hands on them and pass that baton to the next generation. We need to be drawing near to God instead of far from him. The Bible says to gather even more so as you see the day approaching. This is the time to be in the house of God more. This is the time to make commitment to the house of God more. If I, if I worked a secular job, I would put a demand, I need Sundays off. You have to give me three hours to be in the house of the Lord. Why? Because I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I believe God's favor and anointing will wrap around your choice because you say, I got to get to the house of the Lord. Listen, church, this is a time that we need to be pressing into the anointing and not pulling back and not just sitting back and not just being Comfortable because the world is going to lullaby the church to sleep, but we need to step into the anointing and say, I will make whatever sacrifice is necessary. I will do whatever I need to press in to the anointing of God. Elijah and Elisha, they were walking together, and Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. That's a great thing to ask. I want a double portion. And Elijah said back to him, he said this, if you are close when I am taken, then it can be yours. He said, if you see me when I'm gone, when I go, it'll be yours. See, we've got to be close to God in this hour so that the mantle, the anointing can be passed off onto you. It's a time to draw nigh to God. And so Elisha, he was close to Elijah. That means he stayed near to the anointing. He stayed near to the thing that he wanted, the thing that he knew he needed. He didn't pull away. He stayed very close because when that anointing comes, I'm going to be ready for it. Listen, there's going to be one moment in this church service, and I don't know when it's going to be. And I'm praying sooner than later that the anointing of God is going to hit this service. And when we're here, we will experience what God is going to do. We're going to be in the house. We're going to be like in the upper room. We're going to be gathered and ready. We're not going to say, well, was church good? Was it bad? No, no, no. We're going to be near the anointing so when it comes, it'll be passed to us. Amen. I am so ready for a move of God. I ache for a move of God. I ache. I'm grieved so much so. Every day I carry this, I don't want to say burden, but I carry this. God, we need a move of your spirit. We don't need traditional church anymore. We don't need the ups and downs and sing this song. No, I need a move of God. I crave this move of God. But church, if we're not coming expecting, if we're not staying close, not by rules and regulation, but I'm saying showing up and saying I'm going to pull on that anointing. I'm going to come to church in that anointing. I'm going to worship in that anointing. You watch and see, just like Asbury College, there'll be pockets of revival happening. I prophesied in 2021 and after our fast, the Lord showed me that there was underground churches that have been praying and they've been fasting and they've been seeking God and they've been allowing the Holy Spirit to move in their little unknown name churches and at once there begin to be an upshoot of churches everywhere where did that church come from where it was churches who allowed the Holy Spirit to move never look at the size of a church by the size of God's plans because God only wants the Holy Spirit to be shown. He wants his anointing to come that breaks every yoke of bondage. How are we going to set people free if we don't have the anointing? Eloquent speeching will not set people free. It'll not break addictions. It'll not break sexual confusion. It will not break pornography. It will not cast the demons out of people. Only the anointing can do those things. But we can't be far away. We've got to be near him. Amen. Why? Because the anointing is caught more than it's taught. I can preach my guts out this morning, and I am. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. you, got a, you got a handkerchief over there? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I can preach it, and I can talk about God's purposes and God's wills, but you have to step into that anointing.
And when you do, God will give you the strength that you need. He'll give you a double portion of conviction, of character, and integrity. And all of a sudden, you'll step into the anointing. You'll say, okay, God, all that you want for me, I need it all. I'm willing to give it all away, and I'm willing to step into you. All of me has all of you. Amen? We need all of the anointing in our life today. Hebrews 6 talks about that the foundation of the church was the laying out of hands. How many know when you're building something, you don't mess with the foundation? Amen? It's a fundable principle in the kingdom of God. You leave that foundation alone. You lay hands on people. The Bible is very clear about that. Amen? So it goes from one generation to the next generation. Abraham at his deathbed, he laid hands on Jacob, the next generation. And Jacob, on his deathbed, the Bible says he pulls himself up. He leans on his staff. He lays on his hands, and he anoints a new generation to carry on the call and the promises that God had given him. Jacob laid hands on Joseph and his two grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And guess what? Jesus did the same thing with us. Jesus instructed us. As he was sending up into heaven, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he went on to say, he went on to say, but lay hands on the sick that they may recover. There's a laying on of hands of the anointing to cast out demons, to speak with new tongues, to take up serpents and they shall not harm you. That's the anointing of God. And it's the transfer that Jesus gave the church of Jesus Christ that we walk into today. I want to share this with you that as a pastor, it works both ways for you, for you and for me. It's so critical for me as your pastor that I lay hands on you and that I pray for you. That as I anoint my hands this morning and our pastors and elders, we anoint our hands, right? It's impossible for me to anoint my hands, lay hands on you, <clears throat> that I don't walk away with the anointing. <clears throat> I carry the anointing. I need to pray for you. Because when I pray for you, I'm praying for your family's anointing, I walk away from my family's anointing. I pray for the areas of your burdens, I walk away with the anointing for mine. I pray. When I have the anointing, it changes how I pray, how I lead. It changes who I am. So it's so important that I don't just have you prayed for, but I need to pray for you. Amen? So I'm going to be a little selfish today, and I'm going to pray for you because I'm believing God to bring some things back to me too. Amen? I'm not just up here as your pastor with just sermons in mind. I can tell you that with all of my heart. I'm here with your family in mind. I went to a women's conference, and, you know, young girls, they're, oh, you know, ministry, it's so awesome, it's so wonderful, don't you just love it? And I'm like, <laughs> I do. I do, don't get me wrong, it's why I breathe air, but the responsibility of every family that comes to this church, the children, the marriages, your hearts, your purposes, your destiny, I feel lies in my responsibility. So I don't take that lightly. When I come to preach the word of God, I have your family in, my, in mind and mine. I have your dreams and mine. I have your calling and mine, Amen. So as we pray for you today, and as the pastors and elders, we pray for you, we are praying for you, but also we're going to receive the anointing that comes back to our life. Amen? When Jesus went to Bethsaida, <clears throat> um, the Bible is clear that it talked about the waters had to be stirring for the movement and the miracles of God. Amen? So what are we going to do this morning when we anoint you? We're going to stir it up. We're going to stir up the gift of God. When you come through the prayer tunnel, we're going to stir up your callings, your purposes, your dreams, your faith, your passion, that God will ignite a fire within you and in your children and your children's children. Amen. We want the fire of God. How many love sweet tea in here? When you make sweet tea, I'd make it at home. You know, when you make it at home, the sun tea, and you put the sugar in it, where does the sugar go? Right to the bottom. So what do you got to do? Stir it up. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to stir it up in you. We're going to stir it up that God will begin to activate everything on the inside of your life, your joy, your peace, your hope, your excitement, your dreams. Things that have been sitting on the backside for a long time are going to begin to resurrect on the inside of you once again. Amen? All right, that was point one. Number two. 
Number one, the anointing is multi-generational. Number two, the anointing makes you strong. He looks at Joshua and he says, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and courageous. Zechariah 4.1 says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might is what Ephesians says. There's a special strength that comes in you when you know the anointing of God, when you know you are anointed. Amen. Not for spiritual, oh, I'm so anointed. Look at me. No. I need strength in this hour. I need to overcome some things in this hour. I need to walk by faith and not by sight. I need to walk in the, in the Holy Spirit. And the only way I can do that is by the anointing of God. And the anointing will make you stronger than you could ever imagine. Look quickly at Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. And I want you to see the great exchange that happens when you know the anointing. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. What's that? The anointing, because the Lord has anointed me. What happens when the Lord anoints you? You proclaim good news to the poor. He sends you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. Do you see the exchange? It gives you a strength. How can you pray for your family? Because I have the anointing. My watch is talking to me. How can I share the gospel of Jesus Christ with courage? Because I have the anointing. Amen. Uh, goes on to say, uh, proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Does this look like something the world needs? Looks like something the church needs too. We need to exchange the ashes of the last few years and put on the crown of glory of God. Put on the beauty of God in this hour. And he said, and the oil of joy instead of mourning. What is that? The anointing of God. I'm going to put on the anointing of God in the morning. That anointing is going to give me joy. It's going to give me praise. Instead of a, instead of a spirit of despair, they shall be called oaks. Of righteousness. Ooh. That's not a mamsy, pamsy, weak, anemic Christian. I have the anointing which makes me an oak of righteousness. I shall not be moved by the opinions of man or the world or even the devil or anything. I am an oak. The anointing makes you strong. You will come against every adversity when you step into the anointing of God. You don't have to be afraid of what the word of God says when you're standing in the anointing. Because God will be with you in your words. He'll be with you in your hands. Ooh, glory to God. My spirit just went a million directions. I had to reel it in. <laughs> but we need to say in this hour, I will not be moved. I will not be moved. I'll not be moved by offenses, opinions, whether we agree on the same thing politically, whether we agree, it doesn't matter. I'm going to agree on the word of God and the anointing of God, and it will make me strong. We need the anointing of God in this hour. If we're going to face the resistance that's here and is about to come, we are only going to do it with the anointing of God. And this is what's exciting, is when you step in the anointing, you're going to win. You can't lose any argument when you're in the anointing. You, you can't fail when you pray because you have the anointing. <laughs> that demon has to go and bow its knee because you're in the anointing. Whenever I come to preach the word of God or I go to minister or I go to share with someone, I literally see myself, God, thank you for your anointing that I'm stepping in and flowing in. I need the anointing of God in my life. Why? Because it's covering me. It's protecting me. It's keeping distractions of the world out. It's keeping wisdom in my ears. I'm hearing and seeing what the voice of God has to say. You've got troubles and trials in your life? Step into the anointing. I got some beautiful holy oil for my sweet friends, the Bengals. And uh, you should anoint yourself every day with oil. Anoint yourself. It's a visual to, to say, I'm stepping in. Anoint your children. Anoint their pillows. Don't drive them nuts. It's okay. They'll hear and see God. They'll dream dreams of heaven. They'll see visions. Amen. 
Because of the anointing of God, you will be an oak tree and you will be strong and not be moved. You may be here this morning and feel like you're, you don't look like an oak tree. Maybe you don't yet. Maybe others don't think you're an oak tree yet. But everything that you need to be in God's calling is already in you. It's already in you. It's, it's like the acorn. You look at the acorn. It doesn't have any roots. doesn't have any branches, no leaves. But everything that that oak tree needs to be is inside that acorn. But you got to put that acorn in the right environment. Put it in the right soil, the right atmosphere. You may feel inadequate. That's okay. We all do. I've been serving God for a long time, and I feel inadequate. But that's when I, I get in the atmosphere. I put myself in the right atmosphere to feel the anointing, to know God's word and step into. I may feel like an acorn, but God has made me an oak tree. And if you stay planted in that anointing, get in the word of God, get into worship, get yourself in that atmosphere of the anointing, all of a sudden your little acorn will start bringing some roots. It'll start going deep. And what used to move you, what used to emotionally drag you to the left and the right, you're like, boy, that don't bother me no more. Oh, that coworker, she ain't driving me crazy no more. Why? Because you're in the atmosphere of the anointing. And now you're becoming the oak tree and you are strong and now you're ready to be a shade to those who are being scorched by the world. Get your family in the right soil. Get yourself in the right atmosphere of faith and expectations and all of a sudden your gifts and your callings and everything that's unique to you will begin to rise up. They may be dormant now, but after we're done praying, they're going to begin to come alive. You're going to begin to hear God again. You're going to begin to feel God again. You're going to begin to desire his word once again. Why? Because the anointing has to activate and stir up. Amen? It makes you strong. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen the Bible says, was filled with the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God. And his presence of the Holy Spirit was there. And all of a sudden, the angry mob began to say, we're going to stone Stephen. And they begin to drive him out, and he falls to his knees. And what does he begin to do? You know, you'd think the Bible would say Stephen started crying out for his life. Lord, save me. Lord, redeem me. Lord, protect me. Drive back my enemies. But Stephen doesn't do that. When he's being stoned and killed, he literally cries out for God to help them. God save them. On his dying breath, he was saying not about himself. He was saying, God save them. How, can, how could he do that? The anointing of God. How can you be strong in a world that's coming against you and casting stones at you? And, and now I know in another country they're trying to come after Christians and they're seeking Christians out. And this is going to begin to happen. But when you know the anointing of God, I'm strong and I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to be weak. And I know the Holy Spirit is in my life. Amen. Number three, the anointing makes you courageous. Joshua 1, be strong and courageous. The anointing will make you bold as a lion. When others shrink back in fear, the anointing will cause you to step up to the plate. I remember the first time I was going to preach at a Bible study, and I knew I was called when I was little, but I was terrified. I had about 50 pages of notes, and I read every word, and I think I got done in like 10 minutes. It was horrifying. I was terrified. But the anointing gives you courage. Even if it's only a 10-minute teaching, you did it. Yes, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. And maybe you pray for someone and you stumble. I didn't get the words out. It doesn't matter. The anointing will make you courageous. The anointing will have you stop at a gas station and say, I got to pray for you. In the grocery line, I got to give you 20 bucks. I don't know why. You will be courageous when you step into the anointing of God. Listen, David was more anointed than he was skilled. Think about it. He goes out into a battlefield with Goliath who is skilled, who is trained, who is equipped with every tool necessary, the sword and the shield. He's got his past victories and success. He was considered a wartime phenomenon. Here comes little shepherd boy David. No skilled in battle, no armor, but what does he have? The anointing. He didn't need all the skill. 
He was very intimidated to face Goliath, but there was an anointing that came on David that enacted the gifts that he needed to take Goliath down. And with one stone, he defeated a skilled giant. You don't need a lot of tools and education and all this stuff that you think that you do. You need the anointing, and God will give you that anointing to take down whatever is trying to control your life. That's what the anointing does. It gives you courage in the face of defeat, what looks like defeat anyway. The anointing will give you the courage to step out, even if you don't think you've got the ability. The anointing of God comes on my natural, and he makes it supernatural. How do blinded eyes open when I lay hands on them? It's not about me. I'm stepping into the anointing. I'm a conduit, releasing, laying hands on the sick. I'm laying hands, transferring that anointing to them. And by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed. Not my articulate speaking. We've learned that from Moses. He stuttered. He didn't want to be called. But it's the anointing of God that makes you be courageous and do things. Why the heck did I do that? Why did I stop that person and pray with them in a grocery store? Why did I feel that unction? I can't believe I did that. That's the anointing. And if you feel that Holy Spirit tugging, you know, that still small voice, what you say is, God, I'm going to step into your anointing right now. And you're going to give me courage to do what I need to do in this, morning, in this moment. Whatever it is, it could be a speech, whatever. You always have the anointing for every area of your life. Let that anointing come on your life. Amen. We need the anointed to come on my limitations and give me an ability to rise above that limitation, right? Whatever's holding you back, the anointing will rise above that, and then you'll step into the anointing of God. Psalms 23 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, but what? My cup runs over. There's a running over of the anointing and the power of God in your life. God anoints anything he uses. Isn't that good? Even in the tabernacle, he anointed furniture. (laughs) He anointed every piece of furniture was anointed. So the anointing is not optional. If you're asking for God to use you in this season, and I hope that you are, I hope that you're saying, God, here I am, I'm available I'm going to give you some bad news. There's going to be some opposition. You're going to face some demonic strongholds. You'll face enemies. You'll face some Goliaths because the enemy will intimidate you in any way, just like David coming into his moment, anointed as king. He had to kill that Goliath with the anointing. The same opposition may come against you, and you have to say, you know what? I'm not backing down. You're not going to bully me. You're not going to intimidate me. I'm stepping into the anointing. I'm going to take the one stone that I know, and I'm going to do what God's called me to do, and I'm telling you, the gift of God will rise up on you, and you'll conquer that opposition in your life. The enemy wants to test you to cause you to shrink back. But the anointing will stir up the courage on the inside of you to face that fear. And it's the anointing that will help you walk through to do what God's called you to do. In Acts 23, the Sanhedrin had lost their mind and the Pharisees begin to attack. And this is crazy, but 40 men, 40 men said, we will not eat or drink another day until we kill Paul. Until Paul is killed an assassin. Forty men were not going to eat or drink. Forty men vowed to constantly strategize how can we get him, how can we kill him, how can we assassin him. That's a pretty intimidating spirit. That might make some of us run to the hills like Elijah did, hiding in a cave. Worried about 40 men. I, I think if 40 men were trying to hunt me down, I'd call all the security guards in this church with loaded guns to be outside my house. But here he is. He's got all this fear coming against him. And the Bible says that the same night, the Lord stood with Paul and said, take courage. Take courage. Where do we get courage from? Realizing that God is standing with you. Everything you do by faith, God is with you. Everywhere you go, God is with you. The anointing is with you. You're not doing what you need to do on your own. You can be courageous because of the anointing of God. Amen? 
Number four, and then we're going to pray for you. The anointing makes us careful. Makes us careful. I love this part. It says, be strong and be courageous, but be careful. Be very careful. So the anointing does not imply carelessness. It's not mean we just go and do what we want to do. I'm anointed. No, there's a difference between charisma and anointing. The anointing of God costs us something. We have the Holy Spirit freely. We have the utterance of speaking in tongues. But the anointing is something that we have to step into. We have to be willing to pay the price for. We could take some of our time, take our worship to enact the anointing of God. When God was trying to anoint a king, right, every son came by in front of Samuel. And he said, not that one. He's smart and educated. Eliab, his name is smart and educated. Not that one. Not that one. Why? God was looking for the one that he can anoint. It's not careless. That's why we pray. That's why we open up the altars three times, which we should do it so much more. We fast once a year for 21 days in January. That's why we do services like we're going to do here, like we did two weeks ago with you getting filled with the Holy Spirit, creating the atmosphere where the anointing can come. But the anointing can cost us in our life. But when you have the anointing, you'll stand when others fall. You'll step up when others shrink back. You'll move forward when others retreat. That's why the Bible says in the last days there'll be a great falling away. Why? Because people weren't careful with the anointing. Weren't careful. Weren't careless. Why well, go to church? I may serve. I may give my tithe. But I never pressed into that anointing of God. I never pressed into that intimate relationship with God, discerning the times and the seasons and the wisdom. And the world is going to be lulled away with deception. But when you have the anointing of God, it gives you the wisdom of God. Amen. Jesus fed the multitudes, but he anointed 12. And then 72, he said, go out and anoint the homes and minister to the homes. Amen. Why do we have to be careful with the anointing? Because pop culture would tell us to compromise the word of God. Woke mentality would tell the church to compromise. And if we compromise, we are careless with the anointing. You have to stay with what the word of God says. The word of God changed my life when I was 17 years old. It became a part of my everyday it was my life source, my hope, my teacher. It was the training manual. Why I know I'm serving God today, 34 years later, is because the word of God became my final authority in everything that I chose in life. I've not been perfect, but I let the word cut me. I let the word challenge me. If God said, get that out of my life, I got it out. I may have wrestled. <laughs> we do. If God said, do this, I'm gonna, God always has my yes. I tell him that. He always has my, my yes. Hosea 8, 12 says, I've written to him great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. God has great things. There are things in the word, but we can't look at the word. Well, that's a strange thing. There's a teaching going around right now. Well, the world has evolved. The word of God has evolved. We need to evolve the world to the current culture. No, the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it will never be moved or compromised. Not one jot or tittle can be taken out of it. Don't buy your, bow down to the culture of woke mentality. Because it makes us uncomfortable with some topics we have to, as the church, talk about. We cannot be careless with the anointing. And there are organizations that are careless, one that are careless now. I am out of time. But let me share this one last thing with you. And then I'll give you illustration. Jeremiah 36, 23 says it talks about Jehudah king and what, what he did is he took a pen knife and he cut out passages in the word. So he was given the law, the scroll, and this king decided, I don't like that part of the scroll. I don't like that part. Literally, this is in the Bible. So he took a knife and he began to cut out. That's not a kind scripture verse. Oh, that's too much for today. Cut it out. Oh, that's strange. We don't get that in this culture. Cut it out. So he literally began to cut out the word, the parts of the word he didn't like. And, and, and Jeremiah 36, 28, God told Jeremiah, 
Take yet another scroll and write on it all the former words that were on the first scroll. Listen, the enemy in this world would like to break down the word of God, but the word of God will always arise in truth. You cannot take away the truth of God's word. You can take the Bible and shred it into a thousand pieces and put it under a thousand volcanoes and God will allow the fire flames of the word to arise again because the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You have to say, I love the word of God. The word of God makes you strong, amen? So I wanted to give you a quick analogy and I hope everybody could see. These are us as human beings, as people, right? But when the milk represents the anointing of God. So you may feel like there's nothing inside of you. You may feel like there's nothing God could do. There's no hope. There's no dreams and desires. But when you allow the anointing to come into your life, I don't know which order these are put in. I should have asked for a little bit more. Can you see it? What's it say? Courage. See, when the anointing, courage wasn't there until you stepped into the anointing. Courage is inside of you. It's there. You can do and say the right things because of the anointing. The next one might overflow a little bit. What's that one say? Careful. See, when you're in the anointing, you're careful now. You respect the anointing. You value the presence of God. We're not irreverent in his presence. I'm careful with the call of God on my life. The next one, the anointing. What's that one? Strong. Well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be bold in my faith. I don't know if I can stop going there. I don't know if I can quit doing that. Yes, you can. Because you have the anointing of God. He will make you strong. He will make you capable of coming out of everything you want to come out of. Or making the right decisions in your life. Your children serving God. And the last one is, it's probably definitely going to overflow. I'm sorry, Ro. You'll have to wash this. What's it say? What? Authority. Okay, so yes, I didn't preach that. I wrote on the wrong side of the mug. <laughs> I got excited when I was testing it at home. I'm like, oh, they probably should match my teaching. Wisdom. You've got the wisdom of God in you. You hear the voice of God behind you telling you which way to go. Listen, you may not feel like the anointing is in your life, but when you call on it, it'll awaken everything on the inside of you. Somebody say amen. Okay, what we're going to do next is this. Pastors and elders, come forward. We're going to give you instruction this morning. And the ushers are going to start over there. We're going to put on some music. And we're gonna, they're going to call row by row. So when they get over here, they'll call you and instruct you. If you've got your family pictures, bring them with you through the prayer tunnel. We're going to collect them at the end so we can keep praying over them. Um, uh, pastors and elders, you can just anoint your hands. And uh, when we're done, if you'll just come back, take your seats and pray. Just continue praying until everybody is done. And then we'll come together at the end. Amen. Let me just pray over this time. Father, I thank you for this time that we have to pray over our families and anoint everyone with oil, God. I thank you, God, that our faith is stirred up. I thank you that, Lord, we are ready to receive this divine impartation of laying on of hands. Lord, God, bless everyone as they come through, God. Let your power and glory just touch them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.